We learned a bit about John the Baptist before Christmas. Do you remember this painting? This painting is a late Renaissance painting from Italy from 1473 by an Italian in Tuscany called Carlo Crivelli, but today it's in the National Gallery. And um, it shows John the Baptist, who lived in the desert and clothed himself with camel skin, and he ate insects, locusts. He's standing here on the side of the River Jordan, where he carried out most of his ministry, And what's significant is that he's not really drawing attention to himself. He's pointing to what it says on that banner, and it carries Christ's name. If you look at his hand, he is pointing to Christ. And that's what he's doing here too. He's saying, I baptize you with water, in verse 15. But one who is more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. At this time, there was a real expectancy in Israel that the Messiah would come. And to prepare for him, John was preaching that we need to be pure. That was the message of Advent, to prepare for Jesus We need to repent of our sins. We need to say sorry to God for what we have done, which is wrong. We need to turn away from things which are not right. And lots of people were baptized by John. Crowds. We don't know how many, but the Bible says all Gospels speak about this. Crowds were baptized by John. And you may remember when we, read, uh, when we lit the candle just before Advent that we call that the candle of love because John's message was very much that the Messiah who comes, comes because he loves us. And some of the consequences of that is to share what we have with others, to treat others kindly, and to show God's love. However, this message was not very well received everywhere. And we know that today as Christians, the good news is not always well received. And for John, ultimately, it meant that he was beheaded because he had pointed out something which was not right. Herod, the king at the time, he had taken his brother's wife as his own wife. And this was unlawful. And John had said that to him because he was bold and he felt that that needed to be said. This meant that he was later beheaded. However, before that, he baptized many. Where did he do this? Let's have a look at the map of Israel. So this is a map of Israel in New Testament times. We have the Mediterranean on the left. And then we see the two seas in the north, the Sea of Galilee, and in the south, the Dead Sea. What connects these two seas? The River Jordan. Has anyone been to Israel in this room? Interesting. Have you been to the baptismal site of John the Baptist? 
No. Okay, so we, we're not 100% sure where that is, but it's likely that this site was in Bethany, which is just north of the Dead Sea. You can see it says Bethany, and we know that because the Gospel, um, the gospel of John mentions the place as Bethany, and since then, for generations, um, it has been assumed that this was the place, but we're not 100% sure. Lots of people get baptised there even today, but today it is within the borders of Jordan. It's not in Israel itself. So Jesus, he came from Galilee. You know, he grew up in Nazareth. Uh, just a little bit um, southwest of the Sea of Galilee. And then he, he walked the land. He came down to where John the Baptist was. And um, on uh, this occasion, which all the Gospels mentioned, even though we read it in Luke, um, it says, when all the people were baptised, and then it's quite a simple sentence saying, and when Jesus also had been baptised. So it's like Jesus went into the water like everyone else. It wasn't really a special occasion. They hadn't invited lots of people with flash invitation cards. Jesus was baptized. Why did Jesus get baptized? He didn't need to repent of any sins. He's the only human being who's ever lived who is also divine, who didn't sin. He's God. He didn't really need to get baptized. But as in everything, he goes before us. Even though he is so divine, he's also so human. He's one of us. And he wants to show us practically what we must do. He's a servant. John did not feel worthy. John knew this. He knew that Jesus is the Messiah. Not sure the crowds knew it at the time. And John said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. But Jesus insisted. He was baptized like all of us. He serves us and he shows us what to do. And since Jesus was baptized, baptism has become a symbol for us for turning to Christ. It's one of the sacraments of the Christian church. And a sacrament means a holy act. It's something we do to live out our faith and show that we belong to Christ. When we are baptized, we baptize to life with Christ and we go under the water. That symbolizes death. We die to our old life and we rise up to new life in Christ. And David read for us earlier from Isaiah 43 when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Oh, how I wish that I could have been on the banks of Jordan in that crowd, that moment when Jesus was baptized. In verse 21, it says, when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened. The heavens opened. And here, 
we have in just two tiny little verses in the Bible a very powerful manifestation of who God really is. Jesus, who is God, but also man, full of divinity, full of humanity. He was in the water, very physical, very real. There was a voice from heaven, and the voice said, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I'm well pleased. That voice was God, God the Father. And then the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove. And here we have a very poignant picture of the Trinity. And this sets us apart from every other world religion. Through this moment in history, we can learn a little bit about who God really is. Who is the God who created the world? He is a father who loves his son, who loves the spirit. And the son loves the father and the spirit. It's a loving relationship. Let's have a look at how some of the early church fathers tried to explain this. So the church has something called the doctrine of Trinity, it may sound quite heavy, uh, but it's good news. It's good news. And this um, is a late medieval way of trying to explain it. So God, he is the Father, he is the Son, and he is the Holy Spirit. But the Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. And then you can go round in that diagram. There is a distinctive difference between the persons of the Trinity, yet they are the same and they are kept together by a bond of love. And we're going to move on and have a look at a modern way of trying to explain this. And I've taken this from a book that I can recommend called Café Theology. It's written by Michael Lloyd, who is a principal at one of the theological colleges in Oxford, Wycliffe, and he taught me a lot when I was at St. Melitus here in London. And he um, tries to explain it in this way. There's like a dance of love between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And that goes on forever and ever. It goes on for eternity. This is who God is. And that's why Christianity is quite hot on love. It might sound a bit cheesy sometimes when we say, oh, Jesus loves you, God loves you. Sometimes we feel that Christians overuse the word love. But I think there there is no risk of us overusing it because the root of who we are, God who created us, is love in relationship. We're not only created for relationship, but by relationship. And this you cannot divide up. And I'm going to just quote um, a couple of lines here. You can divide up a molecule. You can split an atom. But you can never divide up the love that the Father has for the Son 
and the Son for the Spirit, and the Spirit for the Father, and the Father for the Spirit, and the Son for the Father, and the Spirit for the Son. That is indivisible. That is the surest thing there is. That is the starting point and the goal of all things. Here we stand on holy but utterly firm ground. And the view from here is stunning. So God is not just loving. He is love. And then we can take this further a little bit. So... um, Before God had created anything, that love existed within the Trinity. But when God had created the world and mankind, there was an object for his love, and that's us. And we are part of that love. When um, Jesus invites us to be baptised into him because that is what we are. When we're baptised, we're baptised into Christ. Then we are invited to participate in God's love for us. And maybe it could look something like this, that we are actually, through accepting Jesus as our saviour, of which baptism is a symbol, We're invited through Jesus, through the Son, into that love, which is God. So as the church reflects on Jesus' baptism at the beginning of the year, I would like for us to take a moment to reflect on our own baptism. If we are baptised, maybe we're not And maybe then we would like to think about if this is the right thing for us. If we have a faith, and if we believe in Jesus, it's right to be baptized as a symbol of that faith. If you are baptized, do you remember what date it is? Do you have the date fresh in your mind? Make a note of it. Now we're at the beginning of the year. Make it. If you don't know the date of your baptism, look it up. And make a note of it in your diary. So on that day this year, can I encourage you to just do something, a little something. Maybe it's a short prayer in the morning to say, thank you, Jesus, that I belong to you. This applies for all of us, whether infant or adult baptism. Maybe it's a time for us to reflect if we live in the freedom and in the love of our baptism. My hope is that this year we will be able to rejoice a little bit more of what that baptism really means for us.